Hi, and welcome back to the Gear Chick Podcast. My name is Joanne. You may have heard me from a previous podcast that I co-hosted called Motorific. And now I'm here because I want to do a fully dedicated podcast for those of you who are looking for general and maybe more specific information about motorcycle gear. There's a really wide variety of information to cover, and I've only done a couple episodes, so I want to, I guess in the beginning, really focus on content that's a little more broad, especially for those of you who are brand new to the world, because many of us who've been riding a while, we already, we've been in it a while, we've been wearing gear a long time, there's all this information that we already know because, you know, it's 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 just something that you, it's information that you acquire as you learn to ride and as you start shopping. And if you've been doing this a while, then you don't need me to remind you to, you know, look at your fitment while you're on your motorcycle or general things like body armor and that sort of thing. So I want to focus this episode on those of you who are brand new and maybe you just took your course or you just got your permit and you're in the beginning stages of getting licensed or maybe you just got licensed but now you're trying to practice and maybe you're trying to get serious about your riding gear um, because maybe you still have like the helmet you bought or the gloves you bought for the class but you don't have anything beyond that. Looking at head to toe what you want to wear I'm just going to assume that you don't have anything. And I may even break up this episode into two parts because there's just so much information to cover and I want to get out as much of it to you as possible. Um, but basically, let's look at it head to toe. You want to cover your entire body, your head, your hands, your feet, your torso, your arms, your legs, your knees. You want to cover your entire body. <laughs> and I guess in a in a alternate reality, we're covered in bubble wrap. And that way, whatever might happen to us, you know, hopefully we'll just bounce right back and stand up again. But we know that in this reality, that's just not the way that it works. So when you've made the conscious decision to leave the confines of your car, which is four big doors, maybe two, lots of airbags, lots of safety precautions, uh, sensors, cameras, steel bodies, frames, uh, crumple zones, bumpers, all these things to insulate you as a person inside your vehicle from any impacts around it. So now pretend like you've decided to, you know, instead of riding in the uh, front seat, I'm just going to get out and I'm just going to sit on the roof and, oh, look, there's some handlebars there so I can hold on with my hands. Okay, let's go. And that's effectively what you've done. You've left everything behind in your wonderful cozy car for the wind, the rain, the noise, the sand, the sun, the dirt, the, the rain, uh, people. Um, you've lost that cushion. We have now lost the ability to insulate ourselves from anything outside of our car because now we're outside. So what are you going to do? Are you going to just, you know, hang on and pretend 
that your body is not now 100% vulnerable to everything around you, or are you going to take every precaution that you possibly can within your financial means and within your lifestyle to make sure that you have protected yourself as much as you can or as much as you're able to. So the first thing you're probably hopefully going to look at is your head. And I mean, honestly, it's hard for me to tell you to prioritize a part of your body because that's like saying, <laughs> which part of your body do you want to keep? Or, you know, it's, it's a kind of a ridiculous question. So I'm just going to presume that you agree with my personal opinion, which is everything, my whole body, all of it is equally important. So we're just going to go in order from head to toe and your helmet. And how much should you spend on all your gear as well as what are you looking for? I would say that after you've done your course and you've you know, gotten the minimum gear you needed to get through that class because you're in the confines of your parking lot, now that you're ready to ride on the street and in traffic, now it's time to invest in great insurance to cover your liability, property damage. Hopefully you can afford comprehensive coverage. Uh, as you may or may not know, your insurance companies, some of them, most of them, have gear coverage depending on who you choose. So I will say State Farm because I have it, I've used it, I've experienced their reimbursement. They cover us completely for any gear that I used in my crash and they will replace whatever you need up to an amount. And I'm sure you can tell them I want, you know, X thousand dollars of coverage, but I have like about 1500 And you also want to think about the fact that your gear will be used for a very important purpose, right? It's protection. It's not clothing like your t-shirts and jeans. Some style certainly is important to everybody, well, to a lot of people. Um, but your helmet is something that if you can, absolutely spend as much as you can, as much as you're comfortable spending. You don't have to spend $1,000, but I would say conservatively look at at least $200 and about $400 to really get something that's great protection, um, fits in with your riding lifestyle of street riding and not racing or track life, or touring and commuting and traveling, um, no matter what kind of bike cruiser, sport bike, tour, scooter, moped, doesn't matter. Your head is all the same. Our heads are still, they're like pumpkins is what a really good friend used to say all the time. Your head is a pumpkin and it really doesn't take a lot for things to penetrate. So I'd say conservatively about $200 and with helmets, it is, I'd say a hundred times harder to purchase something like that without trying or getting fitted. And if you can, if you have dealerships around you, if you have stores around you like cycle gear stores, or you have a Revzilla nearby because you live in Philadelphia or New Jersey or Delaware, uh, Maryland, and you can come and see me, that's going to be your best, um, best opportunity to get a proper helmet. Because the other thing you have to remember with your gear is it's all there, not just to protect you, but also to minimize distraction and make you so comfortable that 
may not excessively comfortable like fall asleep, but comfortable so that you can focus and ride your motorcycle and not be worried or thinking about why does my head hurt? Why does my neck hurt? Why do my cheeks hurt? Why does my jaw hurt? You want your helmet to fit you in a way that's going to protect you, but also work for you and be comfortable, especially on maybe a longer ride or a long commute, especially as you're learning. Because if you're brand new, you're trying to figure out so many things around you like, you know, traffic flow and lane position and uh, clutch and throttle control and smoothing out how to do all that braking and downshifting and stopping without lurching or dumping your clutch and you want your gear to really be out of your way and hopefully facilitate your learning. So with helmet, I'm going to say about 200, maybe I'd say four to really get something top notch that's uh, great and on the end of premium, but not necessarily the most expensive helmet. With helmets, it's all about fitment and shape. And that will probably be its own episode as we talk about shape and fit and sizing. So again, something if you can find, you need to find a shop, you need to find someone who can get you fitted properly for a motorcycle helmet. It is unlike any experience you've ever had unless you play contact sports that require helmets. Uh, maybe you play football, maybe you snowboard, maybe you play hockey, then you have some frame of reference. But even those helmets are very different than what a motorcycle helmet offers because our helmets are designed to work once very, 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 very well. And that's why they're more expensive because all this money goes into this one time you might need it so that it saves you and you can get up and walk away without any problems. So it's a very different fit and feel also, but Again, just an experience unlike any other, and it's really challenging to figure out what fits you online. Um, jacket. So that's the next part of your body, right? So I want you to cover your sleeves and your chest and your body. And again, I would say look to spend about 200, two to 300, especially for something that will be comfortable, that might fit you right. Uh, that will do the things you want it to do, that will have enough quality and construction to it to really protect you because anybody can make anything. You could decide right now, I'm going to make a motorcycle jacket and I'm going to sell it to my neighbor for $300 and there's nothing stopping you and there's nobody in your way to tell you, hey, hey, does that jacket really protect? Will it really protect and will it really do what I need it to do? And nobody, there's no one there to say, no, that jacket doesn't have the right seam, seam strength or that material isn't going to do what I need it to do if I'm sliding down the road um, for a few seconds or if I hit the ground, that body armor isn't really going to absorb my impact and protect my elbows. So with gear, you, you do have to do a little bit of homework and research the brands, and look at who are these people? What is this company, ABC? Where do they come from? What are people saying about them? More importantly, has anyone actually used their gear, and how did it work? How well did it do? What is it supposed to do, and how did it do it for this person? What are people saying about it? And that gives you a very broad overview of whether the brand is reputable, whether it's a brand you want to put your money into, because not everybody makes quality 
protective gear and you want to make sure you're getting something that's actually designed to crash in because that has to be your priority. Otherwise, wear whatever you want in your closet. Just walk in and put anything on and cover your body and be done with it and don't even worry about any of this stuff. But if you're consciously making an effort to step away from your closet, create a new closet and fill it with actual safety gear, then you've got to ask these questions. I would say the same goes with your pants and your gloves. Uh, you know, for your pants, I'd say probably a couple hundred dollars. You know, I'd say pretty much everything. You're probably going to be going in at about a thousand dollars to get everything. Um, yes, you can spend far less. I mean, off the top of my head, from a bare minimum cost point, you could spend, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars. But you also have to consider how well that product will hold up against, say, $1,000 worth of gear, and how well do you want it to hold up? For me, I want my gear to hold up very well, and I'm not prepared or willing to give up any an inch for something that's not going to do more than uh, what I consider to be minimum. And I basically want my gear to be so good that I could crash two, three times in it. And that's just how I want it. If that's how you want it, then you're going to add some dollar signs because really good gear is designed to work very, very well. And I, and I know there's exceptions to that, to where maybe there's product failure or quality failure. So I'm not saying that every time you look at high price tag, you are guaranteed it to work a certain way. But I am saying is when you look across the spectrum and you see price points, they will vary. Some will be crazy high and some will be much lower and you can get good protection at a lower price, but you're going to have to drill down, look at these brands and see what are they offering at this lower price? Why is it lower? Why is it so much lower than this thousand dollar one? What is it getting me? Is it getting me enough? Is it getting me what I need? And a lot of choices about motorcycle gear is very personal. What do I want it to do for me versus what do you want it to do for you? Because everyone has a different preference and in, and in a perfect world, yes, I want everybody to have the best and I want everybody to wear the best, but that's not practical. Like I'm not going to uh, wear a one piece, my one piece track suit just to go riding on a Sunday, I just won't. It's not practical. I can't take my jacket off and go into to a restaurant and have lunch. I can't um, go to the bathroom very easily. That's very practical for me as a woman. I'm not going to wear that on the street, even though, yes, it would offer me maximum protection because I've found alternate motorcycle gear that gives me the protection that I feel is more than enough for my body and in a way that is practical and comfortable for the street because you can have your cake and eat it too, but you don't have to buy the most expensive cake. So I would say you're probably going to spend a little bit more on, I mean, I, well, I would say a lot of people will spend a little bit more on their helmet and then spend a little bit less on your rest of gear. And that's, I, I have to leave that to you, but I would say conservatively, you should look at um, 150 to 200 dollars for each item you intend to spend, at least to get a good kind of minimum and minimum. I'd say low to high, 
sorry, low to mid level of protection. So you get something that will do what it needs to do for you. And maybe it won't be able to do it again, but it can do it good for you that one time. And then that way, you hopefully will be prepared maybe later to spend more money. But there is so much product now on the market. There's so many brands. There are so many companies. There are people making um, who are small business and they're making small batches of gear, you know, and they're not mass producing large quantities. So their price points are going to be different than, say, a big company like First Gear who manufactures hundreds and thousands of pieces of apparel. So their prices are different. So you will have to look kind of brand to brand and decide, uh, you know, what brands might be for you. Certainly the other thing with gear is fitment. And that's something that I try to focus on and talk about extensively uh, when I'm talking to anyone who needs help with gear. Fitment is everything. And that also is going to dictate for many of you, but not all of you, but I would say for many of you, especially women, it's going to dictate which brands will be right for you because you can't walk, you can't find the options like you do at the mall where you can find a hundred different pairs of the same jean to choose from, but you can't do that in motorcycle gear. Your outfits will be minimized to maybe three good ones, not 20 different options, but you don't want that many options. Trust me, you want three good ones to make a solid decision. And a lot of times for those of us who do have very unique fitments and issues, you are sometimes pigeonholed into a certain subset of brands because they manufacture the sizing and the fit the way you need them. Um, a good example of that is, is a brand like Olympia. Olympia uh, their olympiamotosports.com, I believe that's their website. And no, they don't sponsor this podcast. By the way, no one sponsors this podcast. I sponsor it myself. So I take care of this all myself. So there's nothing like that going on here. But just want you to know that um, Olympia is a brand that uh, for women works very, very well for curvier, more American fit women, women who need a much larger bust, maybe a 45 to 55 inch bust, and they need maybe a 45 to 55 inch waist. Olympia provides a lot of options in that family. That's the body, that's the female body that they, I think, fit the best. Whereas if you're a woman like me with smaller than a 40 inch bust and smaller than a 40 inch waist, I need a very different brand so that it fits my body better because my shoulders are smaller, my bust is smaller, my waist is much, much smaller. And I need a brand that's much that much slimmer and more petite and just a lot narrower and friendly to my frame. So depending on what your body needs and your fit profile, you may find yourself um, with a particular brand. I would say there are... There is, with women, a sweet spot, I like to call it, of sizing. If you're a woman who's about a size 8, let's say roughly 8 to 10, assuming that you have average proportions, example, 40-inch bust, 36-inch waist, um, 42, 44, maybe I'll say 
maybe a little higher than that, maybe 45 inch hips, so like a pretty average hourglass, you can pretty much wear anything you want because the core sizing for all gear is basically 6 to 14, 6 to 12. If you're 6, 8, 10, 12, everything's made for you and you can buy almost anything you want depending on how you want it to fit you and you have all the choices. So whereas if you're a 18 or a 20 or a 22, then your choices are vastly limited, but they're not non-existent. So if you need help with that, I hope you'll email me. But your choices will vary based on fit and sizing. Um, with all of it, gloves and boots as well, I would say gloves, $150 in your hands, I hope are as important to you as they are to me. And for a living, if you do something like architecture, computer programming, uh, drawing, design, anything regarding your hands, construction, you probably want them to have as much protection as possible because your hands are probably your livelihood. That's where I would strongly urge you to spend a little more money on your hands. Your feet, also, I'd say at least 150 about 200 to 250 and you can get a really nice middle-of-the-road, what I call middle-of-the-road pair of riding boots that will, again, protect you, do its job for the most part, um, and then you might move on to another product. There are certainly exceptions to that depending on what happens to you, but we all know that we cannot predict how we're going to crash. There's a saying, tell us how you're going to crash and we'll tell you what kind of gear to buy, but that's impossible. So that's where you have to start making choices and filtering down what risks am I willing to take with my body? What do I want to uh, wear, not wear based on my comfort level, my budget, my risk level? How far do you want to go in? I'm a very paranoid, anxious individual, so I like to go uh, above and beyond because I just won't take even that small chance that I might uh, might roll my ankle or I might do something and I just I'm just that's the kind of person I am so I spend a little more money and I get a little more protection um, so yes all of it is necessary head to toe and body armor in your gear is also necessary if not required. I'm going to call that a requirement. If you're going to buy gear, it should be armored or you're going to wear some kind of armor underneath it. But there are so many options of armored gear now, there's no need to have to make your own gear or wear your own gear underneath because all the brands available like Olympia, like Revit, like Dionese, like First Gear, they all have body armor with them. And sometimes you only need to add a back protector and everything else is already there. So why do more work when you can find everything you need in one garment? I'd say the only case where you may provide your own armor like that is if you have fit issues. A really good example of that would be if you're, I'd say, a very ultra petite woman, maybe a size zero, maybe a size two, and you need to wear a Knox ladies armored shirt because that way you'll have the right armor fit and you could wear it under any jacket you want because chances are finding a jacket to fit you properly that has armor in it on the right places on your body is going to be challenging. So then you have to uh, come, you know, maybe wear your own armor 
so that you get the right fitment. Um, let's say there's really not a lot of times where you're going to have to provide your own armor like that because if you're looking for a multi-season jacket, you're looking for a mesh jacket or a leather, they will have elbows, shoulders, and back protectors. And if they don't, I would move on. Not saying that they need to include it when you buy the jacket, which is nice, but make sure they have pockets. So if a brand doesn't give you armor for included in the price of your gear, fine. Make sure there are pockets in your impact points. That's your back, your shoulders, your elbows, your hips, and your knees. Make sure at least there's options so you can spend the money and you can make the decision for yourself to add armor if you want to. There are brands out there that do not even offer a pocket, so they've already made this decision for you without you being able to make it for yourself. That's where I have problems with brands that are not thinking about all the choices that are available to you and how they're limiting you by deciding, nope, we're not going to give you any armor pockets, so you can't add this on your own. There are so many third-party options, so there's no excuse anymore to say, well, they, you don't need a pocket. Of course you do. You're probably going to crash in them, or you're buying it, excuse me, so that if you do crash in them, you have body armor to protect you. Because when you fall down, you and I both know that just tripping down the sidewalk, you will put your hands down, you will put your knees on the ground, and maybe your hips on the ground, depending how you fall, and you need some body armor there to protect you. It is, I would say, a very high priority with your gear and should not be optional. So now that we've gone over what you should be looking at and all the things you should be investing in, I want to give you a few, I guess, reasons. Uh, besides the protection aspect, just a few things about each piece of gear that you want to be thinking about. And there are even more. There are, like I said, I mean, we could talk about helmets exclusively, and maybe we'll do that for uh, maybe the next episodes. But starting with your helmet, what, again, I think I meant, touched on it earlier is, you know, your gear is there to help you minimize distraction in addition to, of course, the protective aspect of it. So typically your little bit more higher-end helmets more expensive or just higher quality, not necessarily higher price, but higher quality helmets will have comfort and features to keep wind out, to keep the water out, to keep you focused. So that, for example, if your face shield doesn't seal all the way and it's constantly letting air in to your eyes and maybe you wear contacts like I do and it's drying your contacts out constantly, and now you can't focus because you're so distracted by the discomfort because your eyes are watering. Then you need a helmet with a better face shield. A good example of that is when you buy modern classic helmets. So helmets that look old, but they were made today. But their design is straight out of 1960 or 70. And so is their comfort and so is um, so are the features. So that means very little, if any compared to a modern full-face helmet, where your face shield will seal, should seal completely, and keep water out, and be waterproof and windproof, so everything stays out, so that you're protected from the elements, and then now 
you can focus on the cross traffic, you can focus on the pedestrians, you can focus on your lane position and start scanning and trying to play that what's going to happen game so that you can be offensively driving and not defensively riding, excuse me. So your full helmet will offer you, you know, in addition to just the protective aspect that keep everything uh, quiet and keep all these distractions away from me. The other thing is visibility. And I know that it seems like, well, if I don't wear one at all, I'll have more and better visibility, excuse me. But there's, I guess, a gray area. Yes, you don't want to limit your vision. But again, in a traditional modern full face helmet, your peripheral vision will never be limited beyond what your human peripheral vision already is limiting you to because we have limited peripheral because we're humans and we're not animals that have better peripheral. So we're never going to lose that. Um, what does change is the height of your face shield. So if you look at some face shields, one might have a quarter inch taller height than another. And that could definitely be affected by, for example, a race helmet for being on the racetrack versus a street helmet for being on the freeway and being on the street where you're not tucked down and bent over to where you need a different kind of visibility due to your riding posture. So just because it's a full helmet, just because it's a modern helmet doesn't mean you're going to lose any kind of visibility. Well, the other thing that can affect that feeling is height. When your face shield is taller, then certainly it's going to feel bigger and that is very comforting and I, I understand that and there's definitely a couple of helmets out there like the Icon Airflight is a really good example. It has a dirt inspired face shield window even though it's a street helmet and actually a sporty street helmet but it has a dirt inspired uh, chin bar and face shield so that it's tall and it's extended forward so that you have a little bit more air in your face and a little bit more room around your mouth and that would give you a different kind of visibility. But again, um, having that full helmet will also minimize the distraction and the visibility, or sorry, increase your uh, visibility and really give you hopefully a nice view window to where you can see everything you need to see. That will also be varied again by the quality of the helmet and how they make their face shield. There are some helmets that have, sure, they have a full face shield, but how clear is it? What is the clarity on that? Clear enough so you can see without distortion. How much distortion is there? Are you actually seeing kind of a blur from left to right? What's the quality like? What's the visibility like? And that's definitely going to be very different from, again, your modern classics maybe to your moderns. Uh, brand to brand, that's going to vary. Those are things hopefully you can see um, head on. There's also going to be a lot of information online about safety certifications, DOT, ECE, Snell. There's a lot of information online. I always recommend something more than DOT if you can, usually Snell or ECE. Uh, a Snell rating is a rating from the Snell Memorial Foundation. They're a nonprofit based in California, and they do third-party testing outside the uh, federal guidelines. By the way, the feds, the federal government does not test your helmet. 
for you. You, it's all self-compliance. Um, but something that has additional safety rating beyond the minimum DOT. It certainly tells you that your helmet's real, but if, again, you're like me and you want more than just the bare minimum, you want at least an ECE rating or a Snell rating, if you go online, you can read all the pros and cons between that. I'm not going to tell you you should get this over that. You're going to Google and just read both and kind of decide where you stand. I think that either one is going to protect your head. It's really a very strong preference. Certainly the fitment, like we discussed, that's a whole nother issue of getting fitted. Um, if you do some searching about helmet fit and shapes, it's really important to find helmets that fit you correctly so that it doesn't affect your view. It doesn't affect the noise in the helmet. It, affect, it won't affect, hopefully, your comfort. So you have the right fit and the right shape for your head. You'll also get a much more comfortable helmet as well. It's a big investment to spend on something that doesn't fit you quite right. Um, the rest of your gear, your jacket. With jackets and pants and gloves and even riding boots, your gear is all sewn and designed for your comfort on your motorcycle. So standing in front of your mirror is one thing. That's one aspect. That's it fits my body. The shoulders aren't too tight, I think. It's on me. It's not a 3X. It's a large, you know, am I getting in on the right size to begin? But after that, there's the seated component of fit. And how well is this going to work for me if I have to sit in this for 30 minutes? Will this fit better if I sit down? Hopefully the answer is yes. Hopefully the answer is also, does this um, fit me better with and without my liners? There's a lot more info about jackets I can dive into and try to cover that in a future episode. But just rough things that you want to look for besides the protective nature of your gear is really fitment for riding. And everyone's going to make everything different because, you again, you can call anything you want motorcycle gear. So the telltale signs that, the, that whoever's made this gear for you has really thought about you riding and possibly crashing and using the garment, they're going to look at your fitment for your riding lifestyle and the gear that you're looking at. For example, if you ride a sport bike, then your gear is going to fit very different from someone who rides a bobber. Or if you ride a cruiser, then your gear is going to fit and work differently than someone, um, you know, on a sport bike. So all these different nuances of gear will vary from lifestyle to lifestyle, especially with your gloves. So it, imagine taking some gardening gloves and trying to ride in those and how, how hard you have to fight those finger seams how hard you have to force those gloves to follow the contour of your hand to really hold your hand grips and operate your levers, put your thumbs out, hit your switches, and do all that effortlessly. That's also why a lot of riding gloves are more expensive than just $20 gardening gloves or mechanics gloves because there's a lot, lot, lot more effort into the way it's constructed into the way it's sewn, the materials used. Again, think about putting your hand down and how well that glove has to stay on your hand and stay together so the seams don't just open as soon as your hand makes contact with the ground or whatever. 
So putting your hand in a glove that has already uh, wrapped itself around your hand grip, think about how much less work that means for you while you're riding. That means you don't have to squeeze your hands as hard. You don't have to work as hard because your gloves will do the gripping and they're going hopefully to keep you warm and they're going to do the work for you so that as you're operating, it's very, it's effortless, it's seamless, and it's really comfortable. But again, a lot of that really does come into fitment. And yes, always full fingers, because just because it's a full finger glove doesn't mean you're going to lose feel. You have to find the right one. Because again, there are so many out there. Everyone's going to call a motorcycle glove, you know, a riding glove, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best for riding. So just because you have one bad experience with one piece of gear, don't let that ruin the, the potential for wearing other gear that's better than what you had before. Um, you know, it's like any other kind of tool or uh, utensil you might use just because, you know, this plastic fork doesn't work as well when you're trying to cut your steak doesn't mean you're going to cut off forks altogether. You're going to find a better fork or a better knife instead of the plastic knife because it can't cut through a filet mignon. You're going to find a knife that's made of steel and it has better blades and can cut better. So your gear, there's there's so many options and depending who recommends what, you may end up in something that was really a terrible um, recommendation to begin with. And then now you feel like everything's going to feel like that, but that's just not the case. So it's really important to find real riding gloves that are pre-curved, that have the seaming in mind for you to squeeze something and use your grips and use your um, brake levers and your clutch lever without as much effort and, and, and less struggle. The same goes with your boots. As a smaller person, I rely heavily on really good boots because I have to compensate for lack of height. I'm about 5'2", my inseam's about 28. I have to compensate for that with my uh, leverage, my riding skills, and not my ability to bench press or pick up 400-pound objects. Um, you know, depending on what the center of gravity is for a bike I'm going to ride, I have to rely on my feet to have solid, stable footing so that I can manage the weight of a vehicle that outweighs me three to one without dropping it, without um, tipping it over in a parking lot to have the confidence to park it correctly. Um, I don't ride things that, that help me, that I, that I can flat foot. I ride things that are a little bit taller. I prefer it. It's more comfortable because I, I like to ride sporty bikes. So with sporty bikes, they're meant to be taller so they can lean over really far and go really fast into corners and whatnot. So boots for me help compensate for the potential inches that I wish I had because if you're, you know, six foot tall with a 34 inch inseam, your feet will compensate for your lack of riding experience to stabilize the weight of a bigger motorcycle because your feet are flat. And so you can use that to your advantage, but I can't. So I use really good boots that have incredible traction so that when my toes are down, when the balls of my feet are on the ground, usually it's one foot that has the ball of my foot. I can usually get one flat sometimes or one ball of my foot down and then two toes but I have a, a lot of traction in the boots I wear 
even in that small contact patch, it's like uh, modern motorcycle tires. Modern tires have an incredible volume of traction in just a little, I don't know, four inch contact patch than tires from 30 years ago. So so much more grip and so much more traction in such a small little space. And the same goes for your boots. So when you put your feet down and you're wearing sneakers, you have no leverage, you have no stability. You don't have that confidence that doesn't, it doesn't feel good and doesn't feel right. So you really want really good boots, especially when you're smaller, because you have, you know, you have to compensate a lot for being smaller and being shorter. And yes, there will be a limit to what you can ride because of your height, but that doesn't mean you can't ride a lot of bikes. But you'll want to put your <laughs> put your sneakers, leave those in your gym bag, keep your work boots that you wear to the office for your office clothes and buy a really good pair of dedicated motorcycle boots and not casual either. Again, just like the rest of your gear, you want motorcycle specific performance wear boots, not just quote biker wear because those may not give you the traction you need either. Um, And certainly the dexterity to get your toes under your shifter to shift your bike. So if you're riding a, um, a manual motorcycle. I know some of you may be even looking at automatics, but if you are looking at manuals, your boots also must have uh, the right fit and feel so that you can feel your brake pedals, so you can feel your shifter, so you can tap your shift lever and not have to stomp on your shift lever and not have to kick your shift lever up really hard because Everything on your bike should be pretty effortless. Your shifting, your braking should be smooth, controlled, very gradual, not all at once. Um, Your boots also need to have that kind of feel so that when you're shifting and braking, that you have that really nice progressive control over your shifter and a nice little tap to get up to second or third or fourth gear and down back through third to second to first. It should be a really light tap because it doesn't really require a lot of force. So if you're stomping on your pedals, you're probably not wearing really good boots or footwear and it's probably getting in the way. Again, your gear should never inhibit your riding. It should never affect it negatively. It should never make it where you don't feel comfortable riding. And if you're wearing proper gear, but there's still an issue, then clearly there's a fit problem. There's either a lifestyle problem. For example, you're wearing thicker touring boots for your sport bike and the toe box is too thick. So you can't get your toes in under the shifter because now you're, since your feet are below your hips now, you have less space and you needed, you need a trans, transition to a sport boot so that your toes are a little bit flatter and easier to get under your shifter. But that's not the gear's fault necessarily. It's just the choice of gear for that riding lifestyle that's now making things difficult. So there's there's always options available out there to you. If you need help finding them, I hope you'll message me on social or just drop me an email um, to my website, Joanne at Gearchick, and tell me what's going on and I'm, I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, or if there's, you know, information that you want me to cover in a future 
podcast that I hope you'll send that info or again, um, message me on social media and make suggestions. I have a lot of ideas. I just, I'm not quite sure, you know, where I'll go, but I wanted to get at least some of these general gear, um, thoughts out to you again, for those of you who are new to this and just haven't not really sure where to start or what, what to think about. Um, I think again in future episodes, maybe I'll do a deep dive on each piece. So maybe do a helmet episode and then maybe do a jacket one. Um, not, I'm still trying to figure out kind of topically what I want to do there, but I really thought it was important to just at least talk to those of you who are really new, new to gear or new to riding. Cause I know many of many of you out there have been riding, but you're not gearing up maybe. And so you've decided to take a deep, you know, drop a foot into the deep end and go in and, and really get some gear. So I know that that may be also why you're looking at motorcycle gear for the first time. So thanks for joining me for this. I hope you'll post feedback. I hope you'll send suggestions. Um, again, I'm, you know, kind of doing this on the fly. So I do want to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I hope you're riding safely. I hope you're enjoying your riding season wherever you live. And I will talk to you soon.